When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there, listeners. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 367 of Sustainable Minimalists, a show about intentional and eco-friendly minimalist living. On today's show, we are discussing mental clutter, inside-out living, and soul work. From an early age, we are taught that to be worthy, to be happy, to be somebody, we must accomplish big things, and we must accumulate many things. We're urged to live outside in, aren't we? We're urged to focus on the external. The result is we're trained to become achievement machines and hoarders of stuff in hopes of signaling to the world that we are worthy, that we have made it. But the reality is much different, isn't it? You can reach the pinnacle of your career. You can send out perfect holiday cards in which every member of your family is smiling and beautiful. You can buy the bigger house and the fancier car and the really expensive handbag and whatever else. But if you're not at peace on the inside, none of these external glow-ups are going to bring you happiness. True peace does not come from that external focus, does it? It comes from an internal one. Today's show is quite spiritual in nature. This is the first time I'm covering such a topic, and I'm so excited because it's all related. Today I'm speaking with author Shireen Edesam. She is the author of the new book coming out soon. It's called Free to Be, A Six-Week Guide to Reclaiming Your Soul. Shireen, so excited to have you on the show. How are you? I am well. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Well, I love speaking with the author of books I love, and I absolutely loved your new book, Free to Be. Let's talk about you first before we talk about your book. Tell us who you are and what led up to you writing this self-help. I'm going to call it this. Maybe you'll disagree, but I call it a self-help manifesto book. I could go with that. Definitely. So a little bit about me. By profession, I am a media executive and a entrepreneur. And at the end of 2013, I went through a major breakup with my partner of 13 years. And we had been dear friends for nine years prior to that. So 22 years of friendship, relationship, partnership, blew up in a 20-minute conversation. And that really propelled me into, I want to say that it propelled me into soul searching, but prior to that, it propelled me into just a 
that a abyss of nothingness. And it really scared me, not just because I had no plan B, I'd never been in that place before. And not only was it frightening to me because I didn't know what was going on, I was also really frightened for my kids who were five and seven at the time, because my unraveling would do them no good. So I set out to discover what was going on. So I spent six years looking in every nook and cranny, like it was really, really important for me to look at everything. No stones unturned and a lot of darkness, a lot of weeding, a lot of confusion. And I slowly emerged. None of it looked the way I thought it would. There were some really surreal aha moments. And in reflecting back after six years, I realized that if I knew what I was doing at the time, (laughs) my six-year process could really be distilled into six weeks. So I um, consolidated it and wrote the book that I wish I had when I was at that crossroad. Hmm. Well, reclaiming our souls sounds like a big and unattainable goal in just a 30-minute podcast, but we're certainly going to try. You argue in your book that we have to essentially detox our brains and then our hearts and then our bodies so that we can let our souls shine. But what does our souls have to do with it? I'm listening to your story there and You mentioned how a breakup, a 20-minute conversation and a breakup led to your darkest moments and this journey. I'm thinking about my breakups, and I must say that I've never had a breakup that made me find my soul again. So what does the soul have to do with anything, and why do you feel as though we should all be working on our own soul work? It's a fantastic question. And I agree with you that other breakups in my life also didn't lead to the same thing. After the breakup, like literally the same night where I didn't sleep a wink, it was very, very clear to me that this wasn't a matter of a broken heart. Everything felt broken. Everything. And what scared me was that I had all the things that everybody strives for. We had the homes, we had the cars, we had the status, we had the titles, we had the friends, we had the money and the account, all of that. And I felt completely empty. And that was what was frightening to me. The breakup really became a catalyst to something. And out of that brokenness came amazing things. So to go back to your question about the soul, Our soul is truly our unique imprint in this universe. No other person, no other being, no leaf on the tree has the same soul that we do. It is uniquely ours. But what ends up happening at a very young age, there's all these studies now that talk about disassociation. Somewhere between age zero and five, some say zero and seven, we disassociate from our true selves. What is our true selves? It's our inner fire, our inner star. 
it's the thing that is very unique to us. And you look at a baby, you look at a toddler, and they have it. That's why we love them so much, besides the fact that they're cute and cuddly. But it's that magic. It's that innocence. It's that joie de vivre. And somewhere very early on, we lose track of it. We disassociate. So instead of living inside out, we begin living outside in. And our self-worth and validation and everything becomes connected to that. And not only that, there's a lot of white noise added to it, right? Because we're constantly bombarded by not just content, but what to do and how to feel worthy. And why is it important? Because I can't imagine that a soulless life is truly fulfilling for anyone. If you're just going through life checking boxes, at some point, there is some sort of come to Jesus, at least for the majority of us. So why not actively choose to live from that place. And when you do, I was just saying this in another interview that I don't know any person who has done this level of soul searching, who is a bully, who does not see their accountability and responsibility in this world. All that stuff becomes a byproduct. So you working on you and Living life from that place not just benefits you, but your loved ones, your community, and butterfly effect to the globe. How's that for a very long answer to your question? It's a very comprehensive answer, Shireen, and it's a good one. So thank you for it. I just want to circle back, though, to something you said at the beginning of the conversation about how unbelievably difficult it was to do this soul work, this soul searching. The phrase dark night of the soul comes to my mind personally. But what do you say to listeners who are listening right now and they're thinking to themselves, oh, that sounds too hard, too difficult, too painful. I know for me personally, I don't like to feel negative emotions. I don't lean into those. I try to avoid them by running or drinking wine or doing any of my other coping skills. So what do you say to listeners like me who are like, oh no, it's too painful. It's too hard. That's a really good question. And the truth of it is that our emotions are there regardless and they will come when they will come regardless. So either we suppress them and they squirt in other ways because they have to go somewhere or we let them move through us. And if you are going to say a provocative word, but if you are addicted to happiness and suppressing your anger, your frustration, your upset, your grief, your loss, your fear. You are truly not allowing your full spectrum of emotions to live. So you are basically managing rather than living fully alive. 
And when one does that, I frankly find it incredibly exhausting. But it also at some point becomes futile. And I think it's a big reason why I felt so empty. It's because I was managing and I was managing really well. My home was fully organized and I had, again, attained all the accolades and awards and titles. So I was doing it right. I was managing really well. And yet there was this brokenness. There was this emptiness. So anytime you want to attain something different, you have to step into a certain amount of discomfort and just have that trust that something better is on the other side. It's like us being in a jar of worms or something and being like, God, this is really gross, but I don't want to get out because I'm afraid of what's out there. So if you are quite content with your life, (laughs) then I would argue then there is no need for this book. But if there is something, even at a low grade festering, then it's worth looking at. And I don't know if that answers your question, but I feel like it's a responsibility to yourself. (laughs) No, your answer there absolutely answers my question, and it speaks to me on a personal level. This show is about intentional living, living with intentionality. So if we're just getting through our days with a smile on our face, we're just managing our days, that's the opposite of intentionality, right? That's the opposite of intentional living. And for my listeners who do identify as sustainable minimalists, they already know that we don't do what's easy. We actually lean into the hard. Soul searching is really darn hard. We lean into the hard because we know that what's hard often is where we need to go. When we lean into it, that's where growth occurs. Shireen, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk about, well, how do we do this? We're going to, hopefully, you'll give me and my listeners a tip or two to detox our brains, our hearts, and our bodies. So we're going to get there after a quick word from our sponsor. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. 
As the total destination for decor and furniture, HomeThreads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we're back. Today, I'm speaking with Shireen Edisam. She is the author of the new book titled Free to Be, A Six-Week Guide to Reclaiming Your Soul. And Shireen... During the break there, I was thinking about how this is an episode like I've never done before. I don't think I've ever even muttered the word soul on this podcast in 360-something episodes. So this is a really different type of show for me personally. I still wanted to do it, though, because even though this isn't a show about spirituality, I do feel as though spirituality and intentionality and becoming our best selves, those concepts are all interconnected. So what is spirituality to you? What is it in real life? How can you connect that to the ethos of this show, which is sustainable minimalism? Yeah, a very good question. When you look at mental health or mental wellness, nobody calls it mentality. But for some reason, spiritual wellness and spiritual health is considered spirituality. And the issue with that is that it either goes into the realm of the woo-woo, which it is not, or it gets confused with religion and it is not. So it is neither one of those. I, whenever we talk about spirituality, I rephrase it as spiritual health and spiritual wellness. And I truly believe that in the next three to five years, certainly in the next decade, but I'm going to say three to five years, spiritual wellness is going to have its day the way that mental health is having its day. It used to have a lot of stigma. Nobody would say I'm going to a therapist or I'm feeling depressed or I'm going to take a mental health break. But now you have celebrities and athletes and the likes of Prince Harry talking about it. And it's become mainstream. I think spiritual wellness is going to have the same mainstreaming. In that, I think it's really important to think of spiritual wellness the same way that we think about mental health and physical health. So if we want to have a fit body, more muscles, whatever our motivation is to get to the gym, we get to the gym and we work out on a day in day out basis or some regular schedule. If we have our, we're having an issue, we go to a therapist. We don't go to a therapist once every six months. We go every week or every other week. It's a regular schedule. When it comes to quote unquote spirituality, The closest I think people come, unless they are true practitioners, 
we visit it. We window shop. We might go to a retreat, then we go to yoga classes, drink our pressed juices, maybe wear Tibetan jewelry and think we're spiritualing. And that is not it. What I talk a lot about in the book, and hopefully it resonated with you, is practical spirituality, <laughs> practical spiritual wellness that can easily be integrated into our day-to-day. The same way that one may declutter their home and organize and so that it is a space that truly allows them to thrive. All you're doing is doing the same internally. (laughs) So it very much fits. Like you could sit in the most gorgeous space and still feel chaos inside, right? The gorgeous space helps. But how you deal with that inner space and that inner conflict is very different and it matters. As you're talking there, I'm thinking about my own meditation practice. I started meditating maybe five years ago because my therapist told me it would be a great way to uh, recenter, handle my anxiety, etc. So for five years, I've slowly been meditating and slowly learning about myself and getting in touch with my soul, which to be frank, I didn't even think about ever before meditating over these past five years. And I learned something about myself. And it's going to sound really woo-woo when I say it. I don't know if it's going to sound woo-woo. Maybe some people are like going to say, duh, Stephanie, obviously. But some people are going to think, whoa, that's way too new age for me. But what I learned over five years, and I, I understand and I accept that it's taken me a long time to get here, was that my feelings are my feelings. My thoughts are my thoughts. And neither of those two things are me. There's a third aspect to my being. There's a third voice in me. And that I believe, I could be wrong, but I believe for me, that is my soul. That is my unique imprint, as you were mentioning before. It took you six months to come to these realizations. It's taken me five years in counting, and that's the only realization I've had on my meditation journey. But well, it actually took me six years to get us. <laughs> you're ahead of me. I just happened to distill it into six weeks. And I'm sure then you read the first half of the book and you were probably nodding to yourself, right? Absolutely. And especially the the points you made with regard to the clutter, particularly the mental clutter. It's so hard to quiet the noise so that we can hear our souls, hear what it's saying, hear and see and feel its presence in our lives. And so that's what I'd love to spend the rest of our time together doing, Shireen, is talking to you about your best tip. So I've been doing this for five-ish years. You said six-ish years. You got Listeners, you can do it for that amount of time if you want, and I certainly suggest it. It's been beneficial. However, you could also just read Shireen's book and take the freeway. <laughs> so let's talk about detoxing the brain first. A lot of noise in the world. What do you suggest are the best ways that we can shut down the external noise and the internal noise in our brains so that we can, again, lean into the quiet? 
Yeah. So those are two distinctly different things. And both of them are very important. Shutting out the external noise as in shutting out the information that is coming to us on a daily basis. We are exposed to content 24-7. And the only time we tend to take a break from it, if we actually do, is when we sleep. But there's also so many of us that will get up in the middle of the night and the very first thing we do is check our phones. So we don't even have that break. Whether it is through TV, radio, social media, and frankly, even school, (laughs) speaking with people, like we have information coming to us all the time. And it is super, super important for us to be able to shut it off. And that is a matter of practice. And it is a matter of, as you say, intention. So making it a point that at some point the computer goes away, the phone goes away, and you deliberately spend time with your family, with loved ones in nature, because our minds, there's, I love, I'm obsessed with neuroplasticity and neuroscience, but in every study, you can see how malleable the mind is. So if you are constantly giving it what I call mental junk food, it is going to affect your mind most definitely, like 100, 800%. So it is up to us to become very intentional about what content we let in. And some of it, I think we don't even think about. Like, for example, morning news. Morning news is made to be engaging, to be entertaining, and to have as much viewership as possible. So they are going to package the content so that the most amount of people will watch it. And it's often provocative and it's loud and super colorful and all of that. And if that's the first thing you are allowing your brains to be filled with, it is massive. It's overwhelming. You talk about meditation, it's the absolute opposite of that. So that part is our, is very important for us to do. Finding separation from our thoughts is also intentional, but it's a very different process. And meditation is the easiest way of getting there. Some people can do it through art, which is another form of meditation. Art being, whether it's painting or music or poetry, it's creating a space. It's the ability to step outside of our thinking to a level of awareness or consciousness that is able to see us having our thoughts rather than the thoughts having us. And the reason meditation is important is because there is a method, a roadmap to getting there. I believe that once you get there, once you have that, it's sort of like riding a bike. Once you get balance, it does not leave you. I am instantly aware 
when my thoughts are having me rather than I am having my thoughts. And that singular aha moment was the most profound moment of my entire process. Me finding freedom from my thoughts, recognizing that I am not my thoughts and just because I'm thinking them doesn't make them real has been the most profound, liberating, and freeing aha moment of my life. So it's crucial to have, and it is available to anyone, anywhere. And frankly, if we have a world full of people who are aware that they are not their thoughts, our world will be entirely different. That totally 100% resonates with me, Shireen. I have had recently a similar experience where I always thought I was my thoughts. I always thought that was my inner self speaking to me, my thoughts. But the moment I realized that's not true, a lot of thoughts I have are me just spiraling. There's another voice there. And so I am not at the point where you are. You said you're instantly there where you can recognize the voice that's coming up. I'm not quite there, but I am at a place now where I'm asking myself, is that just my thoughts, my fears speaking, or is that my true self speaking? And that has been so unbelievably liberating. I hope that resonates with some listeners. So our mind makes a really good CFO or COO. CFO, COO, they rabbit hole, they take care of a lot of things that are really important to take care of, but they cannot be CEOs because they don't have the overall vision. It it is their job to rabbit hole and to figure things out and to be very rational about things and be worried and anxious and all of that. Great. Okay. But you don't get to drive the bus. The CEO is in charge and the CEO is our soul. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. But so I have to ask you then, this is where I get really tripped up is detoxing the heart. How do we heal our hearts? By also not tasking it with what it's not supposed to be tasked with. All the heart wants is to be loved. All the heart wants is to be seen, to be acknowledged, to be cared for, and to be loved. So think of it, if you want it, your inner child, I call it your inner puppy. And it's also as a child or a puppy would be, it's very fickle, right? It might want ice cream, one hour, then it wants a nap, then it wants to be held, then it feels really good and wants to go and do jumping jacks, whatever it is. Again, don't let it drive the bus. Hold it, hug it, protect it, but don't task it with things that it cannot do. I talk a lot about being very intentional, not only feeling all the feels, which are really important to do, but also being very intentional with the things that we that busy our lives and the people that are within it. Not everybody is our people. And truly, an excellent quick marker is, did this experience or did this person expand or contract my heart? And you will have your answer instantly. But not everybody is your people. And 
your heart needs protection and it is your responsibility to protect it. So much of the detox of the heart is about the acknowledgement of our heart as unique from our brains and from our bodies and our soul. And then just knowing how to treat it and being really kind to it. That is it. You make <laughs> don't, it let so- it the, don't let it drive the bus. Yeah. You make it sound so easy. I guess I would just say to all of that, that's what I'm working on, right? We're all working on things. I'm working on letting feelings, particularly not so desirable ones, not so socially desirable of ones, just move through me instead of pushing them away. That's just a personal aside there. But in your book, you also mentioned that we can really reclaim our soul, cultivate joy by doing a couple of things, by being creative, by playing. I'd love to end our conversation with you talking about those ways and other ways in which we can not just reclaim our souls, but live within the space that our unique imprint on the world has created. Yeah. So there is no better way to set your soul free and let it lead than through playing. And they talk about the different, there's eight different personality types. And depending on your personality types, there's different ways of playing. Finding one's true north is really about connecting with our higher self. Our souls are very different than our higher self or spirit or universal consciousness, Jesus, Allah, whatever you want to call it. Our souls are uniquely ours. Spirit is what connects us all in the universe. So it's the dance between the soul and spirit. And week five is about writing your story, your manifesto, so to speak, from that space. And I give, I literally have a Venn diagram (laughs) that you follow in order to find your raison (laughs) d'etre, your reason for living and to live from that space. So again, super practical steps toward redefining, rewriting, and redesigning your life as you would like it from the inside out. I love that distinction between living inside out versus outside in, because all the external messaging we're given tells us to live outside in. But what I love about our conversation today, Shireen, is you've given me both the enthusiasm and motivation to flip it, to live inside first, cultivate that, and then beacon it. I don't know if beacon's the right word, but then spread it to outside. I love beacon. Beacon light guides others. So it's not just about you shining, but helping others. So I like beacon. I'm going to steal it and use it. Well, tell us about your new book when it comes out. It's called Free to Be, a six-week guide to reclaiming your soul. Tell us all the things. Yes. So it is coming out June 20th. It will be on, it is already on multiple platforms. It's available now for pre-order. So if you're moved to read it, please order now. Pre-sales count. Well, Shireen, I want to thank you for giving me your time and writing this book, putting it out into the world. It is truly a light for others. Thank you so much. 
Thank you for having me on your show. Listeners, that's a wrap. Show notes are at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 367. I have no ego tip for you. I have nothing to say. If you have an ego tip, please send it my way. My email's in the show notes. But I will see you on Thursday. Reach out if you need me and take care.